solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, we're back with another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. And today we're going over chapter 12, The Patronus. Anna's back with us again. Hello! And uh, this is another ch- chapter that you requested, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you specifically want to be on this one. I love Patronuses. I just think they're beautiful. That's it? Just the chapter title? Well, and obviously Lupin teaching Harry. Fair enough. <laughs> Anything that involves a lot of Remus J. Lupin, I'm here for. Uh, that's valid. That's super valid. Uh, well, unfortunately, we start off the chapter with a lot of Golden Trio trauma. We uh, too. Trauma. Drama about trauma is really what it is. <laughs> um, well thank you. Uh, no, but it, it centers around the confiscated Firebolts. So, yes. Uh, uh, Hermione, we didn't really talk about the last chapter. She hangs out with McGonagall after the Christmas feast and kind of spills the beans on Harry's firebolt, which McGonagall agrees with her because it's the logical thing to do. I mean, it I makes I feel like the yeah. only thing Hermione could have done better is maybe full on tell Harry and Ron her primary concern was that serious black scent. She never actually tells them that until. After she already gets McGonagall involved. Yeah. McGonagall needed to be involved. Like, Hermione's right. That's why, like, Harry and Ron are just... I do agree with the panic when in Harry and Ron, when McGonagall says the word... I've had issues with McGonagall this entire you book. Have. I get it. Um, but this is one more time where her word choice is very poor. And she says, strip it down. And they panic, and they're like, what are you doing to this thing? Poor choice of words Poor from McGonagall. When Harry tells Wood, that's what McGonagall says, he just turns pale. <laughs> yeah. Which I have issues with Wood's reaction to this drama. Was he really going to kick Harry off of the Quidditch team if Harry could not find ways to basically fight his depression? Is yes. that really what was going to happen, Kate? That yeah. seems we like We all know where... I love Oliver Wood, but I'm a little It was very well written, that. though, by JK, in that it didn't explicitly say that. Yeah. But it was definitely trending towards that decision so being made. So basically, it's like the entire world's reaction to mental health. Uh, cool. Yes. Good job, Oliver. Yes. Uh, mental health in this series is something else. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Golden Trio Look drama. at you being critical of Oliver Wood. I know, right? You almost yelled at me for being yeah. almost critical of Oliver Wood. I know. I think that's why it stuck out to me so much. I never thought anything negative about him. And then that happened. I was like, Oliver, I feel so betrayed. See? I'm not crazy <laughs> when I think whatever. I never said you're crazy. Nah. Anyway, so uh, we have some classes to talk about. Uh, this is, I feel like this is a very... Have we ever spent more time in classes in the first couple of books. Like, I feel like we're always in class in Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, you were kind of right. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's just something that kind of caught me. Uh, Hagrid's class. Cool class. Very cool class. He, he yes. gets it. It yes. looks like he's settled in and he got yeah. it. And was like, what can I do that would be kind of cool, but also third year level? Yeah. Fire salamanders in the middle of winter having like a little salamander bonfire. 
Don't you just imagine them roasting marshmallows with the yes, salamanders? Yes, 100%. Yes, yeah, I want to do that. It's a cool lesson. Although it stinks that you have to go out into the snow and the yeah. cold for the lesson. But really cool lesson. Good job, Hager. <laughs> well done. Uh, Trelawney, Anna's favorite professor, is teaching palmistry. And the noteworthy thing that happened there is Trelawney noted that Harry has a, a kind of a short uh, lifeline, which goes towards all of the grim speak from before. It does. And if we want, we can talk about that a little say, bit more. You had an interesting spoilery point with that. I'll, I'll talk uh, more about that in spoilers then. But, let's be real, the class we all want to spend time in uh, is Professor R.J. Lupin. <sighs> yes, always. And I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just the word always? Because <laughs> I always want to be in his class, legitly. So, yeah. So, <laughs> it's not even really his classes. It's his... It's like one-on-one class time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more of... Um, they're calling them anti-dementor classes? Yeah, they're like after-hours lessons yeah. where Lupin's teaching Harry how to kind of deal with uh, dementors. And there's a really cool description of the Patronus charm that he gives. I don't know if you have the quote right. The Patronus is a kind of positive force, a projection of the very things that the dementor feeds upon. Hope, happiness, the desire to survive. But it cannot feel despair as real humans can, so the Dementors can't hurt it. Isn't that a beautifully worded yes. description of a spell? Don't you just... That's why I love Patronuses. I think they're so beautiful. Like, don't you wish you could have your own kind of... When you're feeling low and blue, as we all sometimes feel, you could just have this positive energy kind of surround you and protect you from those feelings. It's so lovely. Yeah, no, it's it's one of the more just well-worded descriptions in this book so far. Yeah. I, I, it really... I feel like she home. put a lot of thought into you can her tell descriptions, yeah. both the mentors and the Patronus, yeah. I agree. Well, obviously, they're so tied together yes. in such uh, an yeah. intimate way. Yeah. I, I also just want to point out before we get too far into the whole uh, Dementor and Patronus thing... Lupin, that man, is such a great man because not only is he thoughtful of Harry to even have these lessons, he's considerate of the bogart that he's using for this lesson <laughs> because he's like, yeah, I just so happened to find this in like Filch's uh, cabinet or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be okay with it because I have a really nice space for him, like under the desk or whatever. I'm like, oh, Lupin, look at you. You're so nice. Like he he's considerate of all creatures. Like that is that's just heartwarming. That's wonderful. <laughs> Look at you, Lupin. Oh, this is amazing. If you needed a carrot, if you needed like a, uh, oh, what is it? What's the phrasing? If you need like a character validation or something like that. <laughs> well, this is why I feel like he would have been the best therapist forget for the wizarding he, world. Forget what he does for Harry. How he treats the Bogart here is really key. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, nice. Uh, it just uh, hopped out of me. I was like, "Oh, look at you!" Anyway, so he describes Patronus charm in more in more detail, and he says it's well beyond ordinary wizarding level. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you don't know what that is now, you will later. So we'll leave that there. But again, just how Lupin kind of handles the whole 
teaching bit of this. And that's actually a question I have for you. Ooh, okay. I do, I do think, I mean, I just think Lupin is an outstanding teacher. Mm-hmm. And like you said, his thoughtfulness. And I do truly think he's just really trying to help Harry with this situation and Harry's feelings about it. But when it gets to the point, I think after Harry's tried like twice, and he tells Lupin that it's getting worse, that Lily's voice is coming through clearer, and then he hears his dad. And Lupin kind of says, like, maybe we should stop. Maybe this is too much for you. Do you think another teacher would have continued the lessons at that point? When Harry, when Harry was being physically affected, when you know, these memories were getting worse for him. Would another teacher have said, okay, this is too much for this 13-year-old boy to be reliving this trauma this much? Would somebody who was not James's best friend understanding of James's son's determination and wanting to win the Quidditch match? You know what? I'm not even going to go there with it. (laughs) That aside, not that you're wrong, you're right, but aside from that, um... I think it's him as a listener and him as a teacher. Mm. And his own experiences, knowing. Just, uh, I don't really know how to say that. It's like, it's a feeling. Like you hear someone say, like, no, I want to continue. And that's fine. Do you really? I believe Harry saying this with such a conviction. Okay. You know know what I'm saying? I do. Like it's, it's but is it actually good for Harry? I mean, we know what happens. We know, you know. I see. That's yes, a, it's a good thing for him. But like, is it actually good for a teacher to be pushing a thirteen-year-old? No, I get your just point. Just because no, a thirteen-year-old is sure convicted. No, no, I get your point. It's hard for me to like express it without like without a real hard example. And the only example that I can think of is from my career, which does not translate. Fair enough. <laughs> it's exactly one to one. So it's hard. Sure. Um, for me to kind of say this per- appropriately, but it's like, I'll give you my example. If I cut this later, I'll cut it later. I know. Sorry, guys. I put him on the spot. So uh, the example that I have for my career, it's a terrible example, so I apologize. But I work in healthcare and I work with injuries. So if some, somebody gets injured on the field, uh, you might hear like a scream or a yell, right? And I was working one day. And I had my back to the field because I was doing something else with another athlete. And something happened on the field and that athlete screamed. And I didn't have to turn around and see what had happened to know that it was serious because of just the sound of it. Sure. Like, Lupin probably is taught... You know, he's taught these kids. He knows them pretty well by this point because we're past halfway in the semester. True, true. And he's also had an entire, you know, education himself. He's probably, shoot, he grew up with James and Sirius. Yes. Who are very confident individuals in their own right. Yes. But, and he grew up with a bunch of, he's a Gryffindor, he grew up with a bunch of Gryffindors. That's what I'm saying. All of these things are influencing him. Sure, that bravado, that arrogance of like, yeah, I can do it. Like, whatever. He's probably heard that a billion times. And he, I'm assuming, and you might not even know the difference. You might not even know you even would recognize the difference until you hear it. And it's like, that's bravado, that's arrogance, you can't handle this. Or, oh, like, 
I think you can handle it. You know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? No, I do. I do. And it's not something you probably, and that's why I'm having such a hard time to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's not something you know until you know. Like, right. until you hear it for yourself. Well, it's also like you said, when you know the individual, like, maybe... I get your point. You're not wrong. I totally get your point. the same thing that Harry says, yeah. but Lupin sees it in her that, like, no, sure. okay, actually, so maybe he doesn't push another child the way he pushes Harry. Who knows? But it was just a thought that popped into my mind. To answer your question in a non-spoilery way, <laughs> no, teachers would, different teachers would handle this differently. McGonagall would shut it down immediately. Yeah. McGonagall probably wouldn't even entertain this to begin with. Yeah, she, yeah, agreed. So that's a whole other flip to the, to the dynamic completely. Uh, Snape would, but differently. Yes. He would, but differently. Yes. Which we can talk about in the spoilers. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, God. I don't even want to go there. So, so to answer your question, you're right. Other teachers would handle this differently. There's a lot of different ways you could have handled this. But I guess what my thought was in that specific interaction, I'm trusting Lupin to, to make that call at that moment and be like... And I guess that was my real question of like, obviously, yes, different teachers would have handled it differently. We're all different human beings. But, like, I guess what I really was, like, just wanted to throw out there, do we think, in the end, Lupin's way of handling do we agree with Lupin's way of handling it? Do we think he made the right call? I think he made the right call, but... I think he made the right call. Uh, I think, for a couple of reasons, I think Harry obviously needs to have some semblance of a defense mm-hmm. uh oh i want to go more into that idea because we've talked about it in previous episodes but it's more of a spoilery conversation but harry does clearly need some level as basic as it could be or should be or whatever he needs something like some barrier because it affects him well, much he's harsher. also very clearly working through some stuff through this whole process and i think yeah. it's easy to recognize it's stuff he needs to work it's through. a very immersive form of therapy but that's for sure. but Ooh. yeah that's a lot did i answer your question i don't really know i don't know <laughs> if my question really has an answer so that's fair uh yeah uh, also to that kind of point about whatever successes he does have coming from this he does make progress mm-hmm. in in just this lesson, which yeah. Lupin finds astounding. Yes, in its own right, and I've always I've had that too uh, in my limited experience as a teacher. A student will find themselves failing at something, mm-hmm. and they think it's a failure. And I'm like, no, you were much better this second time right. than you were just a minute ago. It might not be a finished product. It's not an A, but it's far from a failure. Well, it's easier to recognize that as the teacher than the person who's doing it but his happiness at just the small littlest thing that harry's doing and those small successes Mm -hmm. um again it's just an indication of who he is and who he is as a teacher well the fact that he had a gigantic bar he didn't just have a chocolate frog with him he then had a gigantic (laughs) bar of honeydew's best chocolate that he made harry eat the whole thing so, like, responsible teacher here. Hello. That's the positives of this. Yeah. And, and you've already I somewhat know. mentioned the negatives. I know. Um, but Harry... I cried. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> uh, Harry hears James for the first time in these. 
which is surprising considering it's not a real Dementor that's drawing out these things in him. I feel like it speaks a lot to the magic of a Bogart. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And he hears James and he tells Lupin this. Poor Lupin. And I, we've talked about it before with Harry mentioning Lily. And not just Lily, but what exactly is going on. Lupin, I can't even imagine what he must feel or think in those moments. Because Harry's finding out for the first time that his dad tried to stop Voldemort to give his mom and him some time. But Lupin's also finding that out for the first time, too. And, like, it's kind of like you're hearing your best friend essentially sacrifice himself for... I mean, it's going to bring up... Whew. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of emotion that... It, I think you, um, you kind of said it in the in the last episode mm-hmm. that Lupin hasn't really had a chance to kind of come to grips with James or come to grips with what's happening with Sirius, mm-hmm. what happened to Peter. Like yeah. um, his whole world essentially vanished in yeah. yeah, and now he's having to. And again, you know, we talk about the magic of Hogwarts, right? It's not just that he's having to relive these moments. He's reliving them in the location that he formed these bonds. Like, he's being reminded of... Like, we talked about Snape being reminded of, you know, Mm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Because he's working at the school. And Lupin's the same way. You're, like, in the... With the little boy who looks exactly like his friend. So that's the... It's... Yeah. It's it's a whole mind trip yeah. that Lupin has to deal with. And um, he's grounded enough. Which speaks so, like, how? I, we mentioned it before, just his level just... of emotional maturity is through the roof. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, Harry leaves and he just falls apart. Yeah. I, mean, I kind of hope he does. Like I feel like he deserves to cry it out after that. Uh, I'm I'm sure he's had those moments, and I'm sure he you know he tries to kind of put on a stronger persona, like when he's teaching, or try to shrug it off or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, he's he's going through some stuff. <laughs> so I would also just like to point out, I feel that only a boy would be able to find out in this moment that this teacher who he feels very close to was friends like this with his father, who he never knew. He doesn't ask a single question about his dad. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's... That's just my observation. We don't even need to talk about it. I just want to throw out that observation. No, it's... It strikes... <laughs> like, don't you think both of them just are dying to talk about James? They just move on. Not maybe in this particular moment, because they're reeling from the emotion of what they just kind of witnessed. But you're not wrong. And Julie said it best when she uh, criticized a harsh word. But she points out that the trio is curious when they want to be, and not (laughs) curious at other times. Touche. And this is an example of like... You are right. Of like, no, you should have probably pressed him a little bit on that. Not even pressed. Just be like, oh, can you tell me about it? Something. Yes, that, I 
mean, how do you not just say, like, can you tell me one thing about him? That's a prime Julie point right there of, like, I feel like normally you'd, you, girl. you'd be pretty curious right now. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly you're very quiet. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. But no, obviously that's a big revelation that Lupin admits that he does know James and Sirius personally. You couldn't get that from the conversation we've already had. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> we kind of skipped right over that. But yeah, he, he does have that admission, um, which I'm sure Harry won't forget about for too long. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he thinks about it a lot when he goes and sits behind the suit of armor after he leaves. Yeah, which that is a dark moment too. When he has this like moment with himself and he's just like, Harry, they're dead. He's not kind to himself. That is like a, like, pounding yourself into uh, you're the You're the Gryffindor expert, miss, actual member of Gryffindor. Yeah. Um, so you can, uh, you can correct me if I'm mistaken on the trait, but when I think of Gryffindor, uh, you can say it's a negative trait. It could, I guess, be spun as positive. But running into something that you know might harm you... This lesson <laughs> might be an example of, like, <laughs> you're literally putting yourself yeah. through it when you, you know. It... And I think you are correct. I mean, Gryffindor, like, I'm hearing this and I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Um, so I guess only a Gryffindor could see the merit and, you know, sometimes you just. You need to take a couple of shots. Yeah, tuck it up and if. You just got to do it. Like, I know, like, as a person who feels very strongly about mental a... health, I don't like the phrase, suck it up. You do um, understand that that can be an unhealthy trait if done at an often People tell me that, you know, yeah, I've, I've been told. Uh, but it just struck me as like, uh, you know, that's a like a grin and bear it yeah. kind of like hard truth. Like, nope, I'm going to face this head on. Like, no, they're... They're dead. Like, get over it. Suck it up, as you'd say, like. Well, and I guess that's where when I say he's not very kind to himself. Me as a Gryffindor, yes. I see that he needs the Patronus lessons. I see that he's going to have to hear his parents quite a few times to learn how to make his Patronus. And I see the value in that. I see the, just going to have to do this. Sitting in a corner eating chocolate, saying to myself over and over, they're dead. They're dead. I feel like there's maybe kinder ways to find a way through that situation. Well, and then he ends up facing this problem. Is he's seen his parents before. This is the first time he's ever really heard his parents and well, and I think that's why he's saying to himself, they're dead, they're dead. Because he's correct. trying to tell himself, just, it's kind of like the mirror of Erised. He wants to keep holding yeah. back, even though If it's it possible, it's hurts. a more jacked up version. It's a, oh, it's a much more jacked up <laughs> yeah. version. Much more. But it's like, okay, yeah, I'm hearing something really awful, but I'm hearing their voice. Yeah. And I want it. Isn't this... that a weirdly dark, that's like a Black oh, Mirror it's... episode. <laughs> Do you know I what I mean? I watch Black Mirror, but I get what you're going, what you're saying. <laughs> It's like this, it's, it's it's dark, and it's something you shouldn't want, but you then yeah. want it, and it's all you can think about, and yeah. now it's prohibiting you from potentially gaining what you need. Right. Yep. It's a really dark, vicious circle that he's in. 
And he just came out of the closest thing he's got to a therapy session with Lupin. <laughs> who also, by the way, needs therapies. So it's like... Who's also probably kind of wishing that he could be in Harry's head to maybe hear his friend's voices one more time. Yeah. It, like, there's just so much twisty darkness. But yeah. And reading it, if you just read it to read it, you'll miss the dark undertones to it. Yeah. There's a lot of dark undertones. It's it's aggressive. There's a lot in this book. And we haven't even gotten to potentially the worst bit of it. Which we'll get to in a second. But before, uh, I, uh, just a small little buffer. Yes, okay. Uh, we do have... Uh, I believe this is the first mention of a new professor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we have, uh, Hermione spends most of this chapter buried in books and homework and all kinds of papers, uh, because she's taking way too many classes. Yeah. Agree with you, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we hear the name Professor Vector, who that is... The one that does not exist. The arithmancy, uh, professor. Yes. So... Uh, we get that kind of little tidbit of information. Uh, Hermione says that arithmetic is actually her favorite class yeah. because, of course, it is. I know. I yeah. It, to me, it's just like the hardest possible form of math you could ever get to, and so I'm immediately just like, Ugh. it fits her vibe because it's very. Uh, what's the word? She I'm needs looking? a book. She needs a book. She needs her charts and. It's just very, it is what it is. Yep. It's very logical. It's, there's yep. always going to be one right answer. Yeah, exactly. Right. So right up her, right up her alley. Not a surprise. Okay. Small buffer and done. And now we're going back to the darkness. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we just talked a lot about darkness, but arguably is... the darkest part of the whole thing is the idea of the Dementor's kiss. And, shockingly, Lupin and Harry are talking again. And Lupin goes into this description of what it is and why it is, you know, the whole process of it, which is horrifying. And they get into this really interesting philosophical discussion. I would, philosophical is totally... Because Harry is, you know, flying off the handle emotionally. And he's like, oh, that's, uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but he's like, that's exactly what Sirius needs, yes. is a Dementor's kiss. Like, that is, if if he doesn't deserve it, who possibly deserves it? He deserves it, blah, 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 all that. And Lupin's like, in, this is like, I keep saying this, everything he says, I keep saying this, but this is like the epitome of Lupin. I said that literally like five minutes ago in this podcast when I was talking about the Boger. But anyway, <laughs> it this question of just like, well, does anyone actually deserve that fate? Anyone. Well, and I feel like I keep saying this, but, like, the emotions that must be roiling in him when he throws out that question in a very calm, like, teacher-like manner of, like, like you said, philosophical, does anyone deserve that? Like, how how do we feel? How do you think he feels about the fact that, like, Harry is saying another human being deserves to have their soul sucked out of them? I believe... I on the most simplest of levels, and I'll acknowledge that this is the most simplistic of levels, it's the difference between a 13-year-old mentality and a 30-ish-year-old mentality. I forget exactly off the top of my head how old Lupin is at this point. But 
33. I want to say 33. I also wanted to say 33, so it's good that we're there. <laughs> Obviously, he has a more mature look because he's lived life. Yeah. Uh, where Harry hasn't, and he's just literally flying and up the... And he's got know. this new... This, this information about Black is brand new to right, him. Right, right. And he doesn't really have a way to kind of cope. Yeah. And where does where does he go with it? What does he do with it? Yeah. Where does he put all of this energy? He's choosing anger. Lupin's yeah. more of a reflective, like, no, let's think about this. Let's well, talk about this. Let's, yeah, you know, let's work this out. Um, and, honestly, he's genuinely curious as to... Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think he does legitly want to have a debate about it. Yeah. He's like, yeah. seriously, what do you think about it? And it it is an interesting debate because Harry's all wound up with Sirius Black, but Boldy. There are other dark wizards that have done yeah. severe things. Voldemort's Death Eaters. And it you can compare it to things in the real world here, where it's like, people have done some awful things. In the real world that we are living in, in 2022, what is the level? Uh, is you know, death an appropriate sentence? That's a debate. Is torture a thing? Because people do it. People do do it. Uh, is it right? You know, there's obviously rules. And there's rules, you know, war and stuff like that, that, you know, you shouldn't. Uh, and then there's arguments like, well, this person did X, Y, and Z. He deserves it. What line do we cross where you're not made human anymore by it? And, like, what does that take from not only the person that you're doing it to, but what does that take from you if you're allowing that to happen or if you're doing it? You know, there's a whole bunch of moral philosophical questions that are being had in this real world today that Lupin's kind of playing at here. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting kind of question that he asks. I don't know if I worded any of that well. <laughs> no, no, I think you did. Because, I mean, is there a good way to word it? Because it is just a very complicated question that is going to be very divisive for a lot of people, just like the questions for the real world really are. Like, I think... There's also motives. Like, do you want that... Do you want it like Harry because you want revenge? You want to be vindictive with your, like, uh, punishment of Sirius? Or do you think it's literally just a just punishment based on the crimes he's committed? Do you know what I'm saying? I do, but that's still a very philosophical question. Oh, sure. Like, I, to yes. me, the closest yes. we could get to this sentence would be the death penalty in real muggle world America or world. Um, and that's a question right there. Like, is there a crime big enough where the death penalty is warranted? Some people say yes. Some people say no. I don't think, obviously you're going to have your own right answer. I'm going to have my own right answer. Does any human being capable of having the right answer I don't know. Some people obviously feel the Dementor's Kiss is warranted. He describes I this... I don't think there is a single living creature This is that He literally says this is, is worse warranted. than death. Because yeah. you're literally left as a hollow husk of yourself. Unable to really think, feel, emote in any way. Like, you're just a shell of yourself in your you're worst state. I, yeah, I feel like you're just kind of like a mannequin that... 
then what, do they continue to sit in Azkaban? I mean, there's nothing left for the Dementors to feed off of, I would assume, since they no longer have a soul, they no longer have who they are. Are they committing crimes anymore? So, like, what is done with the person who has been kissed? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting question that I think... Lupin does genuinely want the answer. And I think he also wants to kind of pump the brakes on Harry a little bit. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, you think that. Tell me why. Yes. Why do you think that? Which Harry needs. He needs a check. about that. Yeah. yeah. He, he needs does. a little. And... and this is the appropriate time to do it. He's had some time. He's still feeling some type of way. And it's not Ron Hermione. Yeah. Because it's like. He, it, this isn't to say he doesn't respect Ron Hermione because obviously he does, but, but this it's is a an different. Adult person, it's a different yeah. level who he respects on a different plane. Having like this kind of conversation with him, who also knew. I was just going to say he now knows that this person was friends with his dad. So it's not like Ron Hermione who are just like saying, "Oh, uh, you know, whatever." But you don't know. You don't get it like I do. Well, Lupin does get it like you yeah. do. He gets it, um, and he's still saying, "Hey." It's, Does yeah. anybody really deserve this? It's a really intriguing conversation. but And we hope this conversation has been very intriguing. <laughs> if it made any sense to you. Yes. Uh, let us know your thoughts on everything. Uh, we really appreciate it. We should probably set off to the spoiler section. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, we'll be right back with spoilers. No need for Anna to call me a cockroach today. <laughs> We've mostly agreed, so on to the spoiler section. Hey, Hermione. You! You foul and loathsome them evil little cockroach! Alright, we're back with the spoiler section. We have some things to talk about here. We don't have a ton, but we got a couple of things. So, uh, well, I guess first of all, we didn't even talk about this at the end of the... <laughs> The end of the non-spoiler, but uh, Scabbers murdered? Oh, R.I.P. Yeah, oh, oh my gosh. How did that <laughs> I have to admit, I kind of snorted at the visual of Ron dramatically jumping out of the boys' staircase holding a sheet. I know it's not a funny moment because he thinks his beloved pet has died. Just you just don't like other people's pets. We've learned this already. I don't like pets in general. But I have to admit, don't you feel like Hermione... I feel like Hermione does not have a great sense of tact. Like, I feel like I would be a little more apologetic if my pet was trying to kill one of my best friend's pets. But she just keeps getting mad at her. You're right. She should have a little bit more of an apologetic tone, which is part of the reason Ron is so, like, angry. (laughs) But again, they're 13-year-old kids. They don't understand that how you talk to someone can shape how they then talk to you. (laughs) It's amazing. Uh, anyway, so uh, my my biggest note was like this third year, man. Harry goes through so much, yeah. And we're just over halfway through the book, and he's already gone through the ringer. I mean, you have the whole Dementor thing, the hearing your dead parents thing. Your you find out your Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher happens to be. Former best friends with your parents. Found out your godfather betrayed your parents <laughs> and is essentially the reason your parents are dead. Welcome to chapter 12. We still have like <laughs> half the book to go. Like forget all the stuff that happens from here on. It's like this is a lot. You're also trying to be supportive to one of your closest friends who's about to lose like a pet. Not a pet. Buckbeak's not a pet, but you know what I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant I mean, Rod like and his scabbers for a that second. Oh, that too, that too. Well, and then two of your best friends are like, you're super angry at your friend over the broomstick. Then your other, your best friends are fighting at each other right as you think you're all about to make up. Yep, this is some prime golden trio drama that we have going on, and golden trio drama is just so. Dramatic. You're you're worried that Wood might kick you off the Quidditch oh, team because no. you, you can't handle your Dementors. <laughs> so there's a whole lot. Oh, poor Harry. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Um, you had a note about the the Patronus and his. Well, I was just saying you um. Briefly touched on the fact that this Patronus magic is, like, above ordinary wizarding level. And that's two years above what he, the magic he would currently be at. And I just kind of had a thought that, like, I feel like Harry's thrust into situations where he, like, he has to learn a lot of magic that would be above, like, whatever level he's at. For sure. Goblet of Fire will be a perfect example, I feel like. So and, that's a big example. Yeah. And, like, I mean, he does a pretty good job. Like, he ends up being very well known for the fact that he can create this Patronus. Um, obviously, he makes it through the Triwizard and everything that follows after it. So, like, does he have more inherent magical talent than he is given credit for because Hermione is his best friend? Or do you think he's just kind of, like, he is thrust into all of these super dangerous situations and he just has to learn this magic, and he knows he has to learn this magic, and so he kind of, like, forces it out of himself. I'm going to give you the most unsatisfying answer. <laughs> okay. Both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think he could be the son of Lillian James yeah. and not have inherent talent, ma- magical talent. Right, of course. But, but obvi- obviously, he's thrown into the fire, and... What? Yeah, and you have to... To hit the ground running, or else you will die. Yeah. No, it's a little bit of both. I think he does have some inherent magical talent. Uh, not only that, because, I mean, he also has a horcrux in him. So, theoretically, he has part of Voldy's soul giving him a little boost. In more ways than just parcel time. There is some inherent magic there. Yeah. I don't know to what level, but there's got to be some. I don't like the idea that that affects his abilities, though. Because, I mean, obviously, like, once that part of his soul is out of him, he continues to be a great wizard. I mean, he becomes... Sure. No, I'm not saying that's everything. I'm just saying it might contribute in some way, shape, or form. I just don't like that idea. Just because I don't like Voldemort. I know, obviously, he influences Harry because Parcel Tongue, hello, but I just... Yeah, I mean... It makes me feel icky. Every one of the other Horcruxes have some little inherent magical boost or bump and in my mind it's just parcel tongue yeah maybe but that's just me um <laughs> me. but i don't know if that contributes anything to it or not that that's you have a little piece of voldy in you that's an interesting thought for sure um but like you said it's not everything i think him being a potter uh helps and he has a will and a determination to get better yeah which also helps having that hunger to just be like, no, I want to know that. I want to be better at this. He, the thing you mentioned, Hermione, the thing that separates those two is Hermione literally has a better head on her shoulders. True. That's very true. <laughs> uh, and I'm not just even, I'm not talking about literally the intellectual side of things, although that is a big part of it. It's literally her logic and yeah. her reason and her 
calm well, in the... and she's much better at not letting her emotions yes. affect her responses. 100%. Things. So Hermione comes out shining a lot yeah. um, because she performs... But she doesn't even perform necessarily better than it. Harry performs extraordinarily well when put to the fire many times without Hermione there. Mm-hmm. So it, they perform differently. <laughs> well, that is also But kind the outcome of, seems the same. Yeah. The thing that I, what I always go back to is the fact that Harry performs a Patronus so much better than Hermione, that Hermione struggles so much performing a Patronus. That fact is always really intrigued me and i don't even know where i'm going with it in this because you know, i don't think that says anything about hermione's magical ability i agree i so there's this trope uh that people have in like shows where some characters are good at every single mm-hmm. thing and it kind of gets on you after a while and you're like how are they, how can they fly how can they like yeah. do math like how how can they be good at everything and Hermione is almost, almost. She can't fly. She can't fly. That's one thing. Uh, And, you know, there's some bits of magic that she can't exactly wrap her head around. That's a good thing, I think. Agreed. I think this one specifically always intrigued me about Hermione because I feel like it says, it just speaks to, I don't like, for example, the fact that when Ron made that mean comment all the way back in Sorcerer's Stone, that she burst into tears and spent the day in Myrtle's bathroom, mm-hmm. or in the girl's bathroom, crying. She puts up a very good front a lot of times, but she takes a lot in and holds a lot in so that you wouldn't know it. But I think she's not as good at Harry as fighting off the negativity. I think that's why it's always intrigued me that... She wasn't that great at creating a Patronus. This isn't... I'm about to say what I'm about to say. It's not necessarily even true, because Hermione packs a punch when she wants to, obviously. But it's almost like if you're... I wouldn't want to fight either, necessarily, really. No, definitely not. But it's almost like a uh, like a Flitwick Moody, maybe, comparison? I don't know. I'm try- I was going to say McGonagall, but that doesn't seem right either. Where it's like you have... Where Moody is Harry? Yes. Okay. Where it's like a power. Like they're a little bit more aggressive, like tendency almost. Mm. And Hermione or Flitwick would come at you with a little bit more of a finesse game of like... Yeah. They throw some weird different things at you that you might not even know is coming. I get what you're Whereas they're more like, nope, I'm taking you head on. Let's like, let's go head on, and we're just gonna, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of what I think. Like, oh, you're right. That's not. Yeah, yeah. Like Flitwick and Hermione would be like, how many different ways can I beat you? Yeah. Whereas Moody and Harry would be more of like the, I'm going to hit you with the best that I got. Here it comes. What are you going to do about it? Don't get me started on that. I mean that. That's literally the essence of your point. He just keeps bringing it over and over and over. You're right. Moody has a little bit more flavor to him than that. I'll give you that. But you get the I do. Yeah, no, I get exactly what you're saying, and I agree. So, I don't know where I was going with any of that. This whole conversation has been kind of a tangent. No, his, his, his knack with the Patronus is interesting. 
because uh, there's no way around it. It's so when they say well beyond that of an owl. How well beyond? Like, are we? I mean, the fact I always go back to when he's at his hearing in Order of the Phoenix, and Madame Bones brings up the fact that he can create a corporeal Patronus and is shocked by the fact that he's able to do that. I kind of just get the impression to me that just brings it back. Like, I don't think this is a very normal thing. Correct. That an adult wizard could do Correct. this type of magic. I agree. So I think it's like, it's not just something you learn in schooling. So I think it's beyond Newt level. I would think, like, we talked before on the podcast about, like, extra schooling or extra training. Yeah. Like, to become an or. You need to go through a little bit extra Mm -hmm. to get that qualification or that job title or what have you. That would probably be something that you'd be tested on. Like, hey, can you do this? Right. Something to that level, like magical law enforcement, when you're going to be coming into contact with Tementors. Right. Hey, you might need to know how to do this. That level of, quote-unquote, professional training, where, no, not every witch or wizard is going to have that. Right. Probably very, very few. Well, because hopefully very, very few are coming into contact with Tementors. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, this would be... An extraordinarily rare... I mean, just... Well, also on top of the fact that in this chapter, the three happy memories that Harry comes up with... Yeah. A happy memory is a happy memory, and everybody lives their own lives, but I feel like the happy memories that Harry comes up with are very telling of the life that Harry has lived. And we talk about that all the time. So I just feel like that's an added, like... The fact that... One of the things that Harry becomes so well known for is his Patronus. I feel like is just such a huge thing considering he didn't really have anything happy to pull from until the age of 11. The Patronus idea is not only like, it's like a combination because as we talked about earlier, it's like that pull of Dementor and Patronus. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. You're pulling, like, happy and negative thoughts, because that's what Harry has here. He's trying to think of something happy. like, pushing the negative thoughts on him. Yes. So you're getting, you're trying to think of a happy thought, but you're also thinking of, like, what will happen with the Dementor. So it's like a push and pull. When we've seen other witches and wizards use Patronuses in the series, they also have gone through some stuff. Obviously Lupin, mm-hmm. who we've talked at length about. But like Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Or Aberforth. Yeah. Both have the same general issue. Yeah. The same literal point in time that they might have to grapple with. That they have to fight with of like the Dementor or Dementors. Like when he, when Dumbledore blows away a hundred, hundreds, quote unquote, mm-hmm. whatever that was, mm-hmm. on the Quidditch pitch. Yeah. Can you imagine how strong of a pull that must have been on him and him being able to outwill that, if you will, or whatever? How about Ginny? Ginny is eventually able to produce a Patronus and being touched by Voldemort for as long as she was, she's gonna, the Dementors sure. must have, obviously on the train, affected her huge, yeah. Neville. Like, oh, there's... Neville. There's so many uh, that you can kind of pull from, and it's it's an interesting bit of magic. It is. 
And for once, it's a professor not named Flitwick telling us about a charm. <laughs> I love Flitwick. He's, he's, he's my dude. But yeah, it was kind of interesting to get Lupin uh, kind of filling us in on that. Anything else on the Patronus or Harry or all of that powered nature? No, I don't think so. He does learn a lot of advanced magic ahead of the curve. He does. He's not perfect at it. No, he's not, but I mean... He fails a lot, actually, gets... in doing it, but... But he... I mean, this is heads... about to turn into a motivational speech, but like... Doesn't that make it better? Like, he never gives up as he keeps failing at it. He just keeps barreling on through till he gets it. <laughs> that motivational speech really dipped at the end there. <laughs> Why can I say there's a reason I'm not a motivational speaker? It's interesting because obviously people at toward the end are picking at him. And they're like, are you really that talented? Because other people keep stepping in front of you to fight your battles for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, Harry even at some point says that. So it's like, are you really all that cracked up to be? Or are you just another dude that just so happens to have a scar on his head? And you're the focal point. It's it's an interesting kind of concept that he wrestles with later. And that other people force upon him. But, but he proves himself. He does. He gets her done. <laughs> really? That's how you want to... <laughs> That's how I'm saying it. Anna on the podcast (laughs) Harry get her done and with that we are going to end the podcast for this we got her done we hope you've enjoyed listening to Hogwarts a podcast please let us know your thoughts on Harry being able to get her done and we will see you on the next episode thanks everybody bye Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.